Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We are back. Hot mic across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow, downtown Nashville Studios, 6th and Peabody, Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Our final show uh, before a Christmas break that will consist of not being on for Christmas Day. And then we'll be right back here in studio. It will be Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas with Jonathan Hutton, Tuesday through Friday of next week. Kelly Stewart on with us right now. Hope to be joined by Lorenzo Alexander, 15-year NFL vet, former NFL player, uh, to talk about all things NFL coming up here shortly. But Kelly, right now, I do want to get into this uh, comment by Ryan Clark. And not just the comment by, by Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark goes on uh, ESPN and says, and I, I've seen the clip, essentially his argument is Mike Tomlin is not appreciated anymore in Pittsburgh. His message is stale and not getting through to the players. And his evidence is the George Pickens just absolutely dogging it. And then afterwards saying basically he saw Tank Dell get injured blocking, so he's not going to block. And then Mike Tomlin came back and said he needs to keep his damn mouth shut. Needs to know when to shut the hell up is basically what he said about George Pickens when things are tough. I I buy that maybe with this group, you know, some things aren't – messages aren't being received – I think it's crazy that a guy who's won 63% of his games and never had a losing season in 17 years uh, is on the hot seat all of a sudden. But it's not just Ryan Clark talking about he should leave. Peter King, in, on his, in his Monday morning uh, quarterback column, his weekly column saying his seat's getting toastier by the week in Pittsburgh. Do you think Mike Tomlin should be on the hot seat? Absolutely not. The grass is not going to be greener on the other side, Steelers fans. Big Ben started this whole discussion. I have not heard a single Steelers fan that I'm friends with is calling for him. Look, the the bottom line, they've got to get a quarterback. You cannot keep doing this quarterback carousel. I don't know if it's if it's Pickett, I don't, it's not going to be Mason Rudolph this week. And we know after a couple last couple weeks, Mitch Trubisky's not it either. Mike Tallman is an excellent head coach. Now, Matt Canada, offensive coordinator, is gone. Now, maybe they can start to turn some things around, but he's seven and seven on the season. Do you know how many teams would be very happy to be seven and seven, especially in the AFC North? Those teams are a rock fight every single weekend. And I know we're going to get into some of my picks later on, but the Steelers catching points at home. You wait and see, you wait and see if Mike Tomlin doesn't have something up his sleeve for good old Jake Browning this weekend. I, I just think this is crazy. This is just absolute utter crazy talk. But one of the things that you said that kind of resonated with me, do you remember when Matthew Stafford said at the beginning of the year that he could not relate to some of the young wide receivers in his locker room? Yeah. Is that what's starting to happen here? Is that there is an age gap that's just enough that these young kids that are coming from college Maybe they had younger coordinators. Maybe they had younger uh, grad assistants that they could relate to. I mean, we started to see this in um, a couple of other college football programs where they moved on, like you said, from the Mac Browns of the world because they could not get another national championship or they could not get a Big 12 championship or whatever that was. I think that's kind of what we're seeing here with the Steelers fans. Like, 
Okay, you're going to push out a really good guy. I mean, would you say that he's a top 15? Okay, so we have oh, 32 yeah. teams. Would you say he's a top 16 coach? Absolutely. So go ahead and you push this guy out. And then what are you going to do? I, I think this is a terrible idea. But was Ryan more or less saying that Mike Tomlin should go elsewhere for more money because he's not appreciated? Yeah, I, it, I was surprised when I saw the headline because I know Ryan Clark and Tomlin are close and he, he played for them. And it, he, he was arguing that he should leave because Pittsburgh, if they're actually going to doubt him, he should just, they should work something out and, and part ways and he can go anywhere else and coach. I think any, any open job is going to want to talk to Mike Tomlin, right? And Absolutely. probably hire him. You know, most would probably want to hire him. Here's what's cr- crazy about the Steelers organization. Chuck Knoll was hired in 1969. So for the past 54 years, they've had three coaches. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and now Mike Tomlin. And here's what's even crazier. Mike Tomlin is young, 51 years old right now. 51. Now, we're talking about Bill Belichick in his 70s, you know, possibly going one other place and finishing out his career. Mike Tomlin is still a young man in coaching, and could go anywhere else for another 10 or 15 years. I'm with you, Kelly. I think it's crazy to speculate. I understand wanting Matt Canada gone, and they got their way with that, the offensive coordinator gone. I'll also say that, and I'm surprised to see this, every time the Steelers draft someone or bring in a free agent or trade for someone, we usually say that makes sense because that's a Steelers guy. They have an identity, similar to a lot of college programs. You get a guy, and that is a Steelers guy. We know the Iowa guys when they get them, right, or whatever the team may be. That seems like a good Steelers guy. George Pickens is not that guy. And I understand the talent and thinking you can fix him and you can be the one to get through to him. But with that effort and then him defending that effort and talking about not wanting to give it his all for a teammate because he saw someone else injured, that's grounds to get cut. In, in my opinion, see you later. And if Mike Tomlin's going to continue to put him out there, and if that happens again and he does nothing, then those things do become a Mike Tomlin problem. Yeah. See you later. Goodbye. We're paying you millions of dollars essentially. And yes, that involves putting your body on the line to win football games. Uh, that is a, uh, an issue. And I actually missed that. I obviously saw it happen to tank Dell and anytime those injuries happen, it is unfortunate, but that is part of the game. And if you're not willing to do that for your team, maybe you just don't care enough. Maybe you'll go care if if you're riding the bench, or maybe you care if you get cut or get traded to another team where you're not in that culture that you fit in, or maybe you have a culture that you're going to fit better in. You're absolutely right. I'm over here looking at the list of teams. The Atlanta Falcons would love to have Mike Tomlin. The Carolina Panthers would love to have Mike Tomlin. Uh, The Arizona Cardinals, even though they're not on the, uh, coaching block just yet. I have a feeling they might be here in the next the year. Washington or two with love. Commanders, you know, the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders should come open. The, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I know we just spoke about Harbaugh and Belichick. Would love to have them. You mentioned age. Guys like Pete Carroll are getting a little bit older. They're going to be retiring soon. I highly doubt Belichick retires, but I don't think he stays in New England. So is the New England job going to be coming open here really soon? Most likely. So Colorado as the number one transfer class in all of college football. They've worked the portal well. They've added with six more four-star guys. They've got 18 players coming in the transfer portal. None of that surprises me because you knew this season that was going to have to be the strategy for, for Deion Sanders. 
because they were so bad across the offensive and defensive lines. I don't know that they've revamped their offensive line enough to be considered someone who's going to be good now moving into the Big 12. I think what does surprise me, though, Kelly, is the when you look at the ratio and percentage of what programs are going to do with high school recruits and portal, Dion has gone all in on the portal, and I mean all in to the point that he's got eight guys coming in from high school in this class. And his no biggest desire. recruit, by the way, is Jordan Seaton, the five-star offensive tackle who's not signed. Uh, he committed to Colorado, but now there's some mystery about where he may end up. I- I'm curious to see if this is going to work for Deion Sanders. It is a wild strategy, and while it is paying off in the transfer portal, is it going to work to the level it needs to for them to be actual factors in college football? He doesn't want to develop players, Chad. I don't know why. Here's this guy who claims all this culture. Come play for me. Have a winning mentality, right? They still only won four games last year. Here's the problem I have with the transfer portal. You can get some kids that are going to be plug and play, right? If you run a same style offense, let's use K-State, for example. Uh, They had a strong safety that transferred because his position basically... They said, we don't need you anymore because we're going to run a different type of defense going forward. So he transferred to a school where he's going to be used. Kansas State got a quarterback from Minnesota who wanted to play in Kansas State style offense because P.J. Fleck does not run that. You have to have players that plug and play. And if they don't, you can't just plug any old athlete in there. And I think that's what Dion tried to do. And it worked when nobody had any tape on them against an abysmal TCU team. You know, I and, think... Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, no, I think that there's system and there's dudes, right? So the approach for Deion Sanders is, I, I want dudes. Sure. I don't care about system. System will take care of itself. I'll hire good play callers. You know, Sean Lewis a year ago, who now left to be the head coach at, at San Diego State, but he was a head coach at Kent State where they scored a ton of points. That was a good move. Bring in guys that can lead those sides of the ball, and Dion will be the figurehead CEO and do so no in problem. a big-time way, and then you go and get dudes. But you got to get dudes out of high school too and, and develop them and get them better, and there does need to be some sort of culture. It can't just be, I'm going to bring in nothing but alphas and then hope that they follow my lead and everything's going to work out especially when you're competing for those alphas with Ohio State and with Georgia and Texas and Alabama. It's just not that easy. Yeah, it's not that easy. And also, I'm concerned when Shadur leaves, which might not be for a couple of years, right? He's getting paid handsomely at Colorado. We spoke about how kids are staying longer in college because those rookie contracts are essentially the same as what they're making in college, uh, unless you're Arch Manning and then you're making, you know, 10-year ten ten year, uh, offensive lineman money. Uh, but all jokes aside, I have to say, I'm not sure what the heck Dion is doing in the long term. We know what he's doing in the short term, and you nailed it. He's going out there and he's getting to some of the best athletes he can get. I just don't see how that translates to winning on the field. And I think the culture is we've got cars. Nobody has to adhere to the rules. We've got nice jewelry. We've got, we're getting paid. I kind of have to wonder when the bottom might fall out. You got to have leaders. And you know how you have leaders? You develop them. You don't come in as a transfer from uh, UCLA and just walk in and everybody commands your respect day one. That's not how this works. Yeah, and I think the right coaches and the right culture and programs, that they're immune 
to a lot of that so they can pay their guys top dollar and it not become an issue because the culture is so strong. I think about Alabama. You know, who, yeah, you're going to win a national championship. And, and who's paying top dollar, right? Yep. But we don't hear about issues in the locker room with guys making more than someone else or, or problems, right? Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, their top four-star receiver commit out of junior college rides up to the facility on National Signing Day in a brand-new Lamborghini. Yeah. Um, those guys are getting paid. Great. The Grove Collective is one of the best, one of the strongest, maybe the strongest in college football. They're doing their job, and they're getting great recruits in the transfer portal, and they just had a really good year in high school recruiting too. But call me skeptical that the Lane Kiffin program is going to lead to national championship culture the way a Nick Saban run Alabama program or even Kirby Smart at Georgia will. Maybe it will. They're going all in on making the playoff this next year with the guys they're bringing in and who they have coming back. And I think that's a smart move for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, and we'll probably see others do the same. Yeah, let's go back, though, to what we spoke about, how Dion didn't really seem to care about getting kids out of high school. Yeah. Well, look who Nick got out of high school in 2021 and 2022. His entire receiving core, yeah. every single one of them, gone. And that's because when you first get told by a head coach that you're going to get a play, no problem. And you get a little bit of money in your pocket, no problem. But when you're getting less than the kids that they're bringing in from the transfer portal, and when you're seeing the field less often, or you're not seeing the field at all, and you get a call from a smaller school that says you're going to start game one and, oh, here's a couple hundred thousand dollars and we'll buy your mom a house. She can move here now. That becomes a little bit uh, more intriguing, right? That becomes more eyeballs, right? And I think we're going to see that from some of the middle tier schools, such as my own, right? K-State had a kid that they said was bought and paid for off his roster, off their roster. Quote, unquote, he had full-on plans of playing in the Pop-Tart Bowl. Now he's gone. See you later. I have no problem with kids getting paid. Zero. But that's going to happen. But let's see who they can get now without having to pay that NIL money. Maybe they can get a younger wide receiver from Alabama that they would have never had an opportunity to do so in the past. Yeah, and I, I, I hate to think of the kids who are leaving solely for money. Now, if the money is insanely different, I can understand that. But if it's close, if you just leave for a little bit more money, I would, I would tell anyone that's on a college roster, that's a mistake. You need to factor everything in. I think K-State's a good example of that. Good culture, good coaching staff. They will develop guys. If you like it there, if you like your teammates, you know, you can pass up on a little bit more money and stay. And, and Kelly, I think one positive of the transfer portal, or not transfer portal per se, but NIL and how it's helped programs – it's helped some programs that can pay a little bit of money stay older and more veteran with their guys. Now the COVID year is not going to not going to last forever. It's just for the you know this next two or three years you'll have that. But the amount of programs, uh, my alma mater, Tennessee, being one, that have been able to give offensive linemen a little bit of money to pass on being a fifth or sixth round draft pick to come back for one more year, or defensive linemen in the interior. You got twenty four year old grown men now coming back for decent money to play one last year that have been there their entire careers, I think that's going to be helpful to a lot of programs. I, you know, it's crazy. I was on, uh, I think it was Instagram, and I saw that one of K-State's basketball players got a brand new Mach 3 Mustang yesterday. And I go, I turned to my boyfriend and said, God, I remember when half of my friends on the basketball team didn't even have cars 
Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's great to see these guys getting taken care of, getting a, being able to take care of their moms, being able to be able to buy nice things for themselves, or, you know, maybe that's part of their deal. They get a car or they get, you know, some sort of trust after they graduate. It's awesome to see these guys getting money, but I, I have to agree with you. There becomes a point in time where your happiness should be more important than money. Uh, the eyeballs that are going to be seen on you, depending on what school you're at, you know, if you leave in Alabama for let's just say something crazy. You leave Alabama for an Eastern Michigan. They pay you some money and they tell you're going to get a start next year. Well, you're going to be on games on Tuesday night instead of Saturday night. Uh, but I do have a feeling that uh, we are going to see that from some of these smaller schools where maybe they would have just been the second guy on the depth chart or even the third. And now they're getting a little bit of money playing at a San Diego state. And, you know, you see those late night games and maybe an NFL talent scout sees you and you go a little higher in the draft. Yeah. And, um, we measure it all by who did people bring in from the transfer portal. I think you got to look at also who were you able to retain. That's the crazy thing about college football. It's year to Absolutely. year. And whoever's coming back on your roster that you want there, that's a win for that program, whether it be K-State, Bama, anyone else, that's a win for someone. Uh, we're going to win when we come back because we got our betting segment with Kelly in Vegas. That's next. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back, and we are rolling right along on this Friday on Hot Mike as part of the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow, Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas, guest co-hosting with us today. I'm in Nashville, or 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville studios, Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Kelly is down in Florida. Lorenzo Alexander, not sure where he is right now, but I know where he was. He was a 15-year NFL veteran, kind enough to hop on with us to talk a little NFL on this Friday as we head into uh, Christmas weekend. Lorenzo, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm out here in Phoenix, was ripping and running, doing some errands, and got caught up in this uh, Christmas traffic. So um, I'm in the car doing this interview instead of my office. Well, I appreciate you uh, hopping on. I know it's a, a, a hectic time of year regardless, so thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, I want to ask you about Mike Tomlin in, in Pittsburgh and, and everything going on with, with George Pickens and the video of him not blocking on the play and then his excuse for it. And the idea that Mike Tomlin is actually on a hot seat right now, which is crazy to me when you look at his overall record and the fact he's never had a losing season in 16 years. Do you think that him being on the hot seat is valid? I don't think it's valid, you know, but I'm an old school guy and I know who, what Mike T is and who he is and what he's all about and how he coaches. Um, and so there is – you know, from my perspective, it always needs to fall back on the accountability of the player. Now, they are a young locker room when you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, if you listen to Ryan Clark, right, there is not a, a guy or a group of guys when we think about who the Steelers have been historically that can kind of round those guys up and kind of rein those guys back in uh, or be great advocates of Mike T to be able to translate what he's saying in the locker room. And so um, I don't think he should be on the hot seat. But, you know, I think at the same time, there is a thing called relatability. And just like Bill Belichick is kind of going through the same thing, 
it's not like he doesn't know how to do football, doesn't know like he doesn't know how to coach the game or, or, or help young men grow up. But sometimes if you are no longer being heard by a group of men, sometimes that will impact or will impact the outcome, especially if you don't have, you know, a, a significant talent at QB or talent all over the place. And so they have to figure out what that looks like moving forward. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it's a lot easier to move on from the head coach. I'm not promoting that at all, but we look at Andy Reid, right? He had to move on from, from Philly and found success elsewhere. So sometimes that occurs where there's just no longer a fit as far as your messaging in the locker room. But at the end of the day, if you're going to ever ask me who I'm going to, I'm always going to rep Mike T and the guys in the locker room need to grow up, learn what it's about to play football and be selfless, right? Regardless of what's going around you. Yeah, and look, if Mike Tomlin is suddenly without a job, I think you'll have one in a heartbeat if he wants it. He's oh, 51 yeah. years old. Uh, Bill Belichick, a guy you just brought up, though, Lorenzo, I want to ask you about him. It looks like if you believe reports out of uh, New England, a lot of people who've been around that organization for a while, it, it'll be kind of a mutual parting of ways at the end of the year and that the Patriots are probably going to work something out where they're not even going to demand a trade for Bill Belichick. Just let him walk, and then they don't owe him the money and also they don't have to hold him up with a trade. If that's the case, do you think Bill Belichick coaches somewhere else to finish out his career at this stage? For sure, if he wants to. I mean, he's in that same elk, right? He, he's not a guy that doesn't know how to coach. And there's a, a plenty of bad teams out there that have poor coaching where he can step in and put his footprint on that team um, and really help change the culture and the trajectory. Now, is he going to have the same success that he had in in um, New England? Probably not, but he can set a team up to start developing that and becoming and cultivating that culture that allowed him to create that success in New England. And I would say he's had some success, you know, before they kind of got too far away and things got weird. But right after Tom left, they still were a team that was formidable, right? They still were competing. Now they've kind of gotten to a weird place where they're kind of almost rebooting and have to restart. And at the end of the day, you got to have talented guys. And in those teams that he had when he was rolling, that, that roster doesn't look the same right now. And so, I, you know, he's going to have to figure out where he can go to imprint that. And then also maybe he brings in someone else where, that, that they can work together as far as building a roster that is going to um, – be able to to execute what he's going to ask. He demands a lot. He expects a lot. And that's not for everybody. Lorenzo, I know you finished your career with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they got a nice, looks like an easy one against the Chargers tomorrow. We'll see if they can get past them. Then they have a revenge against the Patriots. And then they finish off the season with the front runner of the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins don't have quite easy as an easy of a road. Do you think the Bills have a really sh good shot here to be able to what we'll call it, spring the upset and win uh, yeah. the AFC East? Yeah, I think they can do it. I mean, I think they put the ball back in their court by winning these last couple of games. Um, you know, they've been one of those teams that have, you know, I, I don't want to say underachieved. They haven't executed at a high enough level consistently, right, to be in a position that I think we all thought they would be at the, at the beginning of the season. But, you know, that's most teams, right? You have some adversity in there. Sometimes that doesn't necessarily equate to losses like it has with the Bills. But every team, I don't care if you're 12-4, and four, you know, five and five, you're going to face some adversity. And they've been able to find a way to fight their way out of that, right? Josh is playing really good football. James Cook is coming on. The defense has been playing well. And now things seem like they're bouncing in their favors, especially when we think about, you know, uh, Tony being offsides against in that Chiefs game. So I think they're in a really good spot, space. 
Um, obviously, I'm very familiar with their culture and their in their coaching, and I, I think they're going to be primed to really make a run at this thing. Um, but I want to say, you know, kind of preference, there is no easy football game in the NFL, right? I know on paper it may look like it based on what's going on, but we've seen some crazy stuff happen. Anytime as a football player you walk into a game thing, it's going to be an easy one. That's when you typically lose. So I know those guys will be focused. Um, you know, take the charges out as quick as possible, right? You really want to put your, your your thumb on them as early as possible. And then obviously move on to the Patriots. And anytime you play in a division game, um, those are never easy. I don't care what your records are. I'll actually be in the house for that one. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I think they're in a really good spot, space. They have great leadership. And I know one thing, nobody wants to play those guys right now, whether they, you know, win the East some way or get a wild card spot. I love it. Uh, to he As the resident gambler, I love to hear that you guys are not looking ahead and uh, looking past the Chargers team that just got boat raced in uh, Las Vegas. Ugly. Last question for you. Who's your Super Bowl champion this year? Ooh, man, that's a hard one. If I had to rock right now, um, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area um, and I grew up a Niners fan. So I think that's the best football team consistently throughout this entire season. Um, especially when you think about coaching players, uh, their scheme and how they execute and how physical they play as well, um, even at like the receiver spots, right? Um, and so I'm going to go with them. They have great defense for Ed Warner. I'm going to go with the 49ers uh, winning this thing this year if I had to pick today. Is awesome. Thanks, Lorenzo. Yeah, is Kyle Shanahan the most valuable coach in the NFL right now? I'm not going to say the best because he hasn't won a Super Bowl and we got guys with right. multiple Super Bowls. But in terms of value to the team and what he does with that group, is he the most valuable guy right now? I don't know if he's the most valuable guy. Um, I mean, because I mean, they all come from that. When you think about Sean McVay, right? When you think about McDaniels, when you think about some of these coaches and their scheme and what Kevin O'Connell their players to do and execute, right? There, so there's a multiple guys like that throughout the league that. If you take them off their team, Andy Reid being another one, right? Their teams aren't going to be as explosive because of the the fingerprint they put on these offenses. So he's up there, but he has a lot of great talent around him um, as well. So I don't think he's the most valuable, but he is a very important piece um, as far as the schematics they have from an offensive standpoint. And it doesn't matter who the coordinator on defense has been. They've always been at the top. So um, I'm going to say he's close, but not maybe not the best. You know, no, no Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. The AFC feels wide open right now with yep. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense struggling. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about the Bills because this feels like, and I know Bills fans are tired of hearing about this, but maybe the year yeah. for the Bills, if they can just get in and they're playing the way they are and they get hot at the right time where they could make a push for the Super Bowl. But the, the biggest thing out there, and we're going to see that's 49ers team we talked about, play the Ravens. Coming up, yep. it's the Ravens and whether or not we fully yeah. trust the Ravens. Do you fully trust the Ravens come playoff time if they are the number one seed in the AFC to be that team yeah. to beat to get to a Super Bowl? I mean, I think historically I would. I always, I'm always going to rock with the Ravens because they play great defense. They're a physical team. They can run the football, right? And that typically is what travels well. Uh, it looks like they're going to have the number one seed, so they don't have to travel at all. So it's going to be really hard to go up into Baltimore and beat a team that has Lamar Jackson at the at, at the helm, especially how he's evolved as these offenses evolved, being more of a pocket pass and being able to dish the ball around his two. So they they are definitely a hard win, um, you know, and nobody really wants to play them either. 
And so I, I trust them. You know, it's it's going to take somebody uh, that can play their style of game, right? Maybe be a little bit more explosive and make them try to play from behind, which is something that they necessarily don't want to do um, in order to beat them. And a team like the Bills, uh, you know, an explosive team like Miami uh, can do it, you know, as long as it's not too cold up there for Miami. But uh, those those type of teams have a shot at beating them if they can make it like a, a I think, a, you know, a 34 32 bar burner like the Chiefs Bills, you know, a couple of years ago was. Well, let's talk about the Dolphins because uh, everybody in the media, me included, we love Mike McDaniel. I love watching him on Hard Knocks in season edition. I love how refreshing he is. I love that he's a little bit nerdy, but in a funny type way. We all love that demeanor with him. As yeah. a player, when you watch Mike McDaniel, do, do you love it also? And do you see where that can connect with his roster because he is very different right. in his approach than most NFL head coaches. And that's, I mean, and that, you have to be that. I, you know, um, I was with Mike in Washington way back in the day before who he was or who he is today. And so he's always been that guy. Um, and you have to be authentic and true to yourself if you want anybody to take you seriously. And so there's no way that Mike could walk in there and act like he was Mike Shanahan, right? Totally different personalities and how they go about their business. Because if he was to do that, guys would see right through it, call it phony, and I don't care what comes out of his mouth after that, I'm turning you off. But because he's true to who he is, no matter how quirky or weird it may be perceived, guys can buy into it. And then there's some substance behind whatever he's saying in, the, in those rooms that is gravitating and really connecting with the guys. And once you get the guys bought in and, and they trust who you are, right, and you got some wins to kind of go with that, um, I think that's where you start finding that um, that success that you want to see as a head coach. Um, and so it's, it's been good, you know, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's refreshing, right, um, when you get away from some of the, I guess, the stereotypical head coaches that you would think about, you know, 80s, 90s, old school mindset when you have some of these new younger guys, thinkers, and just a little bit differently uh, work or operate a little bit differently can be refreshing, especially to be able to connect with this new generation that um, that I think a lot of the old school guys are having some issues connecting with and not getting the most out of. How quickly can NFL players see through phony when it comes to an assistant coach, a staffer, a head coach, Anyone. Yeah. And is that something that you gain that ability over time? And by the time you're a professional, can you do it? Or do you see situations where college kids within a program hey. can, can sniff out phony quickly also? I coach youth sports and high school sports and kids can figure out right away whether or not you're phony. If you know what you're talking about, it doesn't take much. You know, people, you know, when you talk to people and you be around people, you can figure out who, who people are pretty quickly, right? Because we we live in a world of of controversy, stress, and that makes who you what you say and what you do. If it's not the same, it's going to be on full display, right? Because most people fall into their natural habits once that stress hits. A game is on the line. We're losing, right? A player is not executing the right way. Who do you become then? Is it the person that you said in the meetings or are you just whole different person when that occurs? So I think it happens at every single level. Um, obviously, the older you are and you're dealing with grown men as players, they've been around the block several times. And so it probably takes them, you know, maybe a week or two. Oh, man, this dude is not that dude, right? Um, and so I think that's probably the biggest difference as you age up. I can identify it or those players can identify it much quicker and and the, the other thing is is that they have now they have more of a leverage uh to act 
actually say something about it, right? Like you're not going to have an eight, an eight-year-old call out their coach, but you're going to have a grown man that's in that building like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about, man. That's dumb, right? Because you've been around some other good coaches. So that's the, the biggest difference that I'll see, right? It happens quicker, and then those players are going to let you know that you don't know what you're talking about. I coach my daughter's eight U travel softball team, so I'm I'm now in that world also where parents sometimes may think they know more uh, than the coach. Sometimes they do, most of the time they don't, but yeah. it is certainly a different right. era. And Lorenzo, you and I are, are from a, a, a similar era, close to the same age. Appreciate getting your perspective on everything going on in the NFL. Thanks for joining us on this Friday, and uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, enjoy it. Lorenzo Alexander uh, doing a great job with us on the show. It's fascinating to me when you look at this, Kelly, because of a certain generation, you just never question the coach, right, ever. Like, you just did it. Like, hey, go run five suicides because you missed the front end of a one-and-one in your high school basketball game. You did it. You didn't question anything. That that was me growing up. We are in a different era now for, for good or bad where players question coaches all the time. Parents question coaches a lot more all the time. And I think that's been a big change, and we're seeing some of that spill over into the NFL and maybe be a problem for Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick. Who knows? I do know this, that when we come back, we're going to play a little game called Overrated, Underrated, Christmas Edition. Movies, songs, a little bit of everything when we come back. Let's have some fun. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. It's Hot Mike across the Outkick Network on this Friday, heading into Christmas holiday weekend. Hope everyone out there safe, sound, and getting ready for a great weekend. Hopefully a few days off work. Speaking of days off work, Jonathan Hutton has a day off work right now. Kelly Stewart does not. Kelly in Vegas, my co-host today on Hot Mike, doing a great job as always. Hutton and Kelly will be on next Tuesday through Friday. Kelly will be here in this uh, luxurious studio at 6th and Peabody next week. Kelly, will this be your first time in this studio? Yeah, I've been to Nashville a few times this year, but never in studio, so I'm very excited uh, to be able to do that. It's been a long time since I've been in studio, in fact. I've been working remote about the last three years or so at this point, so excited to be back into a real place. Uh, We'll see. Hopefully I don't get too intimidated. I would not do well uh, working remote. I, I like to have a physical place to go work every day. The lights are a little bit, you know, brighter, different in here, but nothing you can't handle. Uh, you're going to love it. So, And I'm shocked that we never invited you in studio uh, when you were in town. So anytime yeah, I you're think in we were too busy having welcome. drinks on Broadway. Yeah, that's uh, true. It wasn't ever really for uh, a work event. I was there for a birthday and then uh, for Clay Travis's Halloween party. So yeah. uh, Bro- Broadway really always gets in the way. Anyone who ever came to Nashville to do any business, Broadway gets in the way every time for those that have been here. This place you can have some fun at too here at 6th and Peabody. So Christmas weekend coming up. Christmas, of course, on, on Monday. Want to have a little fun with... A little segment, Kelly, I call Overrated, Underrated. And we're going to go with some Christmas staples on this, okay? I'm going to let you begin each time, 
And maybe I'll, I'll share your opinion on some. Maybe I'll crush your opinion on others. But let's start with, I want to start negative and then go positive. So let's start overrated Christmas movie division. What is your overrated Christmas movie that everyone is talking about this time of year? I would have said National Lampoons, but then I knew I would have got buried oh, for please. it. please. I was about to say, please say any movie but Christmas Vacation, which is a classic. So uh, yeah, well, move right listen, on from that. Let's not get into it. I've seen it too many times. At this point in time, like when the person on the couch next to you can recite everything that is about to be said, it becomes a little overrated. But in my real personal opinion, A Christmas Story is overrated. Uh, some of these movies probably just become obsolete. Uh, I remember seeing it the first time when I was a kid, no problem, but now it's on all the time. You catch glimpses glimpse of it. Never once have I had a desire to watch it start to finish yet again. A lot of really cheesy moments where I'm just like, yeah, I think you're just a touch overrated. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this. Uh, Christmas Story is so highly rated and it's so played so much, it can only be overrated, right? There's no argument that it's underrated because it's so highly rated and that's, that's a lot of things. I don't hate the movie. I think it's a fine yeah, piece of, fine. of Christmas mythology, right? But it's also, if you're going to play it round the clock on TBS or TNT or wherever it is on now, and maybe it's part of my childhood. You know, growing up, it was always on TV nonstop too, on Christmas Day. And when I would see it was always after I opened gifts as a kid. So I was always kind of bummed at that point. And then it's just on in the middle of the day when you're doing nothing. So I may have a little PTSD that I see that movie in my, yeah, my your, mind. Yeah, your serotonin and endorphin levels like went through the roof and then they crashed because you opened up all of your gifts in four minutes. That's yeah. exactly right. That, that, the, the visual of that movie to me is me coming down off a Christmas gift high on Christmas morning and watching it while looking for anything else to do and going through my gifts. Um, that's part of it, like the fall off after opening gifts I also just think that it's fine, but it's it's just not it's not great, uh, not not great at all. In fact, I'm going to go to my underrated one now because there's a tie in here. Underrated Christmas movie, and I bet a lot of our audience has never seen or heard of this movie. I definitely have not. Eight Bit Christmas. Uh, it is a movie that was on uh, HBO Max on HBO and HBO Max two years ago. Um, Neil Patrick Harris, Steve Zahn. And it's Neil Patrick Harris playing the father of a young girl telling the story. It's in present day. And then he's telling her the story of his favorite gift as a kid. And it's basically a modern retelling of a Christmas story, except the Red Ryder BB gun is now the original Nintendo entertainment system. And all he wants is the Nintendo, the NES, the original in 1988. So the movie goes back to him as a kid in 1988, and it turns out to be much like Christmas Story. It's a movie about a father and a son, right? And what ends up happening, and then the connection that they share. Really good. It's a, it's a fine way to spend 90 minutes over this Christmas weekend. So if you have not seen that, it's streaming at, uh, I think it's not even HBO Max, it's just Max. Streaming on Max this weekend. Go check it out. Kelly, you've never heard or seen this movie, right? No, I haven't. But I guess uh, as somebody who is so excited to get a Nintendo, that's actually how I found out Santa Claus wasn't real, was the Nintendo was hidden in the extra bedroom closet. And uh, then it said from Santa. And I said, well, it's been in the closet for a couple of weeks. Why would Santa put it there? And, you know, 
the joys of being an only child. You are every parent's pain is what I'm hearing, that you're so logical when you come back. Well, it's been in the guest room closet, so I don't know how that's, that's possible. I, I, I love that, though. What was your first game on, on the NES? Mario Brothers? No, Duck Hunt. Okay. My dad, my dad's a big hunter. And I remember being, you talk about the Christmas high. So then you get to plug it in, right? The red and the white and the yellow, and you finally get it to work. And he puts in duck hunt. And for like the next hour, I had to sit there while he played duck hunt. Uh, of course. Amazing. So I had the, uh, remember like the, it was almost like twister, but it was that electronic yeah, the track pad, pad, the track and field game. Yeah. I mean, I would sweat so hard trying to run as fast as you could on that track and field game on that pad where you don't even pick your feet up completely, but you're, you're, you're moving those feet as fast as possible. We have like an old school NES in my house I got for Christmas one year, but it's not the full NES, but it just, it has pre-recorded games on it. You can okay. play. This morning I played my eight-year-old daughter in Tech Mobile. Uh, and oh. I'm happy to tell you that I took Seattle, one of the worst teams in the game. She took and San so Francisco won. and I won 35-27. So I still Good. found a way to win. But uh, NES, all-time gift, no doubt about it. What is your underrated movie? Yeah, I love comedies. I am not like a romantic comedy movie. I hate scary movies. So I always just want to laugh. And uh, as a person from an extended family, right? I have half sisters. I have cousins. I've got, you know, two different Christmases. And then now dating somebody who also is a product of divorce for Christmases is a very underrated movie because it's exactly what he and I want to do every year. Go on vacation instead of uh, spend family at four different people's houses. Uh, all jokes aside, we're not doing that this year. Last year, we did jet set off to, to St. Croix instead of spending Christmas with everybody. But this year, we are going to be hosting Christmas. Uh, but it is different than the movie because at least we can get all the extended families over here to get along for at least a little period of time. Do you go on like one year on, one year off, one year with family, one year going to the beach somewhere? Is that how you, know, you work it now? Living in Las Vegas, I always went somewhere. Always. Because you always wanted to leave Vegas. Now that I live in a uh, resort type of vacation area instead of a party vacation area. I feel like I can go to the beach whenever I want. Uh, so maybe now that uh, the nieces are getting a little bit older, it's more enjoyable to see them open up all the presents, right? Like that's the fun part about Christmas. You were texting me earlier with our producer, Nick, and I was like, ah, bah humbug. I'm not a big Christmas person. And that means for adults. I love Christmas for the kids. And that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah. Kids bring back Christmas. You get into like early adulthood, where it just doesn't mean much at all to you. And then once kids are around at all, it does bring back the, the Christmas feeling. Um, also, Vince Vaughn, terribly underrated, oh, in my opinion. God, he, he's, he's great. terrific in pretty much everything he's ever done. So I, I like that movie just simply because he's in it. All right. Overrated Christmas song, Kelly. What are you going with? You know, there's all these old songs out there. And I'm not talking Frank Sinatra, like... Those types of older songs are wonderful, but I'm talking the ones that grandma wants to listen to somehow on YouTube because they don't even exist on Apple Music or Pandora or Spotify or any of the above. And the audio is terrible and the lyrics don't make any sense. Some of those really, really old Christmas songs, they just have to go. They're just so overrated. Yeah, it's um, like anything by Bing Crosby you're probably not a big fan of. Another one is a like, Andy Williams has a lot of those hits. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are not the best. I, I'm kind and of with I you love on that. old country music. I love, you know, like old country music, you know, Hank Williams, those, but again, 
That's like that. There's like a threshold. Let's call it 1945, uh, pre-World War II, 1945. Anything older than that, that is overrated. Yeah, you're singing Tyler Castle, one of our producers in studio here, his love language when you talk about uh, old country. My overrated song, and I think a lot of people love this one, and I love the band. I love Wham, unabashedly. Love George Michael, love Wham. They had some absolute bangers back in the day. I watched the documentary on Netflix, very entertained by it, very informed. I hate Last Christmas by Wham. Uh, This was an entry to get Top of the Pops or Top of the Pop chart in England. The UK Christmas chart is a big deal, and a lot of people vie for number one on Christmas Day in the UK, and this was one back in the 80s that they had that I believe reached number one. And it's it's a standard now. Uh, Every Christmas season, you walk around a shopping mall somewhere, you're going to hear Last Christmas by Wham!, I think it's overrated. Of the entire canon of Wham! and the great songs they produced, Last Christmas is close to the bottom of my list. Kelly, do you agree or disagree? I would agree that the Wham! Netflix uh, show with George Michael was awesome. Uh, predated me just a little bit. So I text my my older sister and I asked her, I said, was this like really that big of a craze? And she goes, oh my God, we were all in love with George Michael. So that was fun to see. I don't even know what song you're talking about, but now when we go to commercial, I am going to listen to it because surely I've heard it, right? I mean, oh, you, you, you'll know it. Play okay. it during the break and we'll come back and you'll hear the first chords to it. You'll say, oh yeah, I, I know exactly what this is. Andrew Ridgely also with uh, Wham, great part of that documentary. All right, most overrated Christmas gift. Kelly, you have the floor. I really think that when women get bought clothes, it is so overrated. It's a pain in the butt to go return it to get the right size or something different in that attribute. I've always hated whenever my parents bought me clothes for Christmas or like, you know, uh, a female family member's like, oh my gosh, I found these boots and I thought they were perfect for you. And I'm going, no. And then you have to keep them in your closet for two years or try to find a time to wear them around said person. It's just, just, just stop buying women clothes. Guys, guys are easy. Buy them some t-shirts that they love. Buy them a jacket for their favorite team, a jersey. No problem. Stop buying women clothes. Like get them a gift card or something. Yeah. My argument is women know clothes and what they like way better than any man. So let them pick out exactly what they want in the size and style they want. Don't ever try to do that and guess what they're going to like. You usually fail. Could you imagine if you you bought your wife a large and she's really a small? Can you imagine uh, if you buy something that's really ugly and you're like, oh, but this looks like something else I thought you had in your closet and it doesn't? I mean, there's so many snafus and so many things that could go wrong in your purchase unless she says, I want this from X store. This is the size. This is the color. Just avoid it at all costs. The worst thing you can get is told that you bought me something that looks old lady. Like Ooh. that looks too old. It's not the wrong Ooh. size or anything, but like, hey, this this seems like you. And if that you is perceived to be older than the, the person, Ooh. then that's, that's a problem. So yeah, just avoid it. I'm with you, Kelly. Good advice for all guys out there. Don't buy women's clothes uh, for Christmas as their Christmas gift. Overrated for me, any electronic device. Like iPad, new iPhone, any of that stuff, I just don't think of that as a, a good Christmas gift. I feel like if you want to go get the new iPhone, you go and get it and get it pre-programmed and do all that and transfer all your numbers over and take care of it yourself. It's kind of a process you want to go, just like women buying their own clothes. 
They want to go on that process on their own. I feel the same about devices. So to me, that's an overrated Christmas gift. Underrated Christmas gift, we've got about 45 seconds left here, so we'll, we'll say it because we pretty much have the same answer. Kelly, you're going cash. I'm going gift cards. I do think a gift card is a little bit more specific and no. a little bit more personal than cash. It's too specific. But if you, if you know the person, if they tell you, I shop here all the time, and you give them that, you're giving them the route to say, okay, when you go to that store next time, think of me because now you're buying this from me. Now cash kind of does the same thing too, I guess. I put a $100 bill on my niece's Christmas card because she didn't give me an appropriate list in my mind. She went absolutely berserk over a $100 bill. I think a Best Buy gift card, a Target gift card would not have got the same response. There's something about that blue, crisp $100 bill. They lose their minds.